Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Be the Gospel. Spiritual Warfare 101 is what we're discussing tonight. As soon as Anthony calls back in, we were having some sound issues in the when he was talking to me, so he dropped his call, and I'm expecting him to call back in and momentarily. Um, let me see if we can find a song to play while we deal with these issues. Let's see. Okay, that looks like a good song.
Ready to start the teaching? Yes, yes, I'm here. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, very excited to um, definitely dive into this topic. Um, uh, as I've been studying through some things and really looking at the Old Testament and New Testament, it's it's led me to question a lot of the the things that we've been taught. Um, concerning spiritual warfare And I believe You know some of the things I'm going to be sharing with you today Is is going to help You understand Spiritual warfare um, And basically what I believe God's been bringing to light And, and showing me And so Let's just dive in and, and let's, let's, but let's start at the beginning Let's Let's go back to Genesis And if we carefully consider Genesis 1, we can see that God gave dominion on the earth to men. So God, essentially what he did is he tied his own, his own hands, not because he, um, he was forced to, but he wanted to. In this, if we just look at God's nature and his character, we can see his loving kindness, but his also desire for relationship. And we can see how he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. We can see what led to the fall. And the one thing that's very interesting is we can see that the God, when he created Adam and Eve, when he goes into explicit detail in chapter 2, it says that he breathed into them, right? And if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that every person has a spirit. So God also placed a spirit within you to be born again by his spirit. So that's a completely different spirit. So just pointing that out. So when we look at this, we can see that a spirit in a body is the only thing legally able to have dominion here on the earth. Now think about that. Because I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to show you um, some key things that are are often overlooked. But there's there's some things that I really believe that God wants to show that is just absolutely phenomenal. And when we look at a spirit in a body we also know that a spirit in a body produces a soul, right? Because there's no soul if there's no spirit. And if there's no body, the spirit no longer has a legal right to abide on the earth and has to leave. So if you, if you listen carefully what I'm sharing with you, it for me, it just begins to... Um, open up a number of things where as we go back through 
the, the time and why it was so important when the Spirit of God spoke to a person and spoke through a person. And when there was no no communication from God, we can see in the book of Judges, we can see the gap between the last of the major and minor prophets until the birth of Jesus. Like this was a huge deal. This was a, a, a main thing for the Jewish people, for the, the Hebrew people, because God speaking to them was, was very important in, in every aspect of their lives. And he came on some people, and if you ever do a study, you'll find that he was also in. The Spirit of God came in, 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 in some people. But the thing is, is under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, he wasn't allowed to stay because the Spirit wouldn't strive with men forever. Right? So you, you can see there's certain clear-cut things that are going on. So God would come on these people or come in these people and move them, which we also find in the New Testament. He would move them to write, to speak, to create. Uh, different things. You can go to Exodus. You can see the 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 metalsmith. I say metalsmith because he was skilled in silver and gold and in different metals, in shaping and crafting. It says, "I have put my spirit in him." Go look it up. It's it's very interesting because it's showing all the way back in the time of Moses, the spirit of God was in a person for excellence so that he can create the tabernacle. And God showed him what everything was going to be in the tabernacle. A lot of people don't talk about him. Everybody kind of focuses on Moses and Miriam and, and Aaron. But they look over the guy who created everything because God showed him everything. It's a different topic, a different subject. But when we begin to understand that the spirit, either the spirit of God or demonic spirits, aren't allowed to be on the earth without men. Because we can find in Psalms, we can find it there in Genesis, we can find it in several other places that God has given a Okay, it looks like Anthony dropped again. And this is gonna be a real good teaching, I can tell. Let's give him a second to call back in here. Okay. See. Anthony? I'm here. Okay. Sorry about that. I lost the connection there. Okay. Well, uh, then let's get back to it. Yeah, what's the last Um, part? Let me think. That, That... the the earth was created for mankind and spirits are not allowed here unless they are with man. Is that? Uh, you could say that in a way. So you can see that. Okay. There's a lot to tackle. <laughs> so when you see demon possession, it's because the spirit knows the only way he can actually exercise dominion is through inhabiting flesh. So when we actually break down the Hebrew in in the Old Testament, 
the word for flesh or the word for man uh, 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 basically means red earth. Made from the clay. Right? So you had to be of the earth to abide on the earth. So <clears throat> think about this. Genesis 6, when the, when the sons of God, when the angels left the habitation, they came and they slept with the daughters of men. They procreated with the daughters of men, and they created the, the men of old, the, 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 the giants or whatever you want to call them. Why? Because they wanted a representation on the earth for themselves, which is interesting. So there's other um, extra biblical books like the book of Enoch, the first book of Enoch, there's other books that speak about giants. Um, <clears throat> we're not going to get into that, but the whole thing that I wanted to bring out is it's very interesting that they came, and as a result, God had to cleanse the earth with the flood. He had to start all over with Noah and his family. So eight souls were saved. Him and his wife and his three sons and their wives. So we begin to see the importance of, of God is saying that the dominion belongs to men. And so I'm telling you, I'm trying to organize this in my own brain as best as I can, because my thoughts are like exploding like crazy. Uh, because when you begin to realize the importance of Emmanuel, the Spirit of God came and overshadowed Mary in the New Testament. Emmanuel means God among us, God who lives with his people. Right? And so when he overshadowed Mary, he created Jesus. Mary conceived and created Jesus. So now the Spirit of God took on flesh. So now Jesus, with a, the nature of God and the rightful dominion on the earth, could exercise authority and dominion as a rightful heir as a rightful or illegal um, right of being a man see why do you think it you don't hear it very often anymore in churches but growing up they were so focused on the incarnated word look it up Look what it means. Because they understood 23 years ago the importance of the Spirit of God coming and inhabiting the dirt, the red dirt, the red man. It's very interesting on how all this lays out. And of course, we can go, we can dive deeper and we can definitely pull up a lot of scriptures and think about it um, and, and basically prove the points that I'm. Sharing with you, but I just want to give you a basic overview of what we're going to be 
taxing uh, the rest of this hour and also next time we meet on spiritual warfare. Because basically there's some strong things that are said in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, that people overlook on a regular basis. And we overlook it because of the focus that people place on the enemy, the adversary, compared to what it says we have. One of the reasons for failure, not knowing who Christ is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is of the world. It's either true or it's not true. It's very simple. So we dive in, and a lot of people, they're very quick to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So let's go there. Let's, let's really crack this nut open. Let's, let's jump in and, and, and look at this. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <laughs> And uh, so we start with the very first verse. It says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, whom am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some of the suspects of walking according to the flesh. So some of, he's rebuking the people. He's saying, some of you are walking according to the flesh, and I might have to show up and basically rebuke you. So you understand, Second Corinthians is actually 4th Corinthians. And there was a uh, first letter in 1 Corinthians. Paul's responding back to certain things I wish they would mark here in our English New Testament is where he's directly quoting the letters that he's responding to. We can't see that in the context of our Bibles. In the original Greek, it's there. It's, it's notated. Which is interesting because it changes so many doctrines that people have pulled out of the, the Corinthians, which are just way off. So anyways, so verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Right? So verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God that we that and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when there are obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, that he belongs to Christ, right? Let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so are we. And so here, let's let's break this down. Let's look at this. Weapons of our warfare, not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse 5. We destroy arguments. There's two places where arguments inhabit. But the main place is your mind. Or your heart. 
Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So when you get into an argument with someone, you begin to speak it out, and that's your secondary. That's, that's not the primary place. So then we look at the next thing. And every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So anything that contradicts the word of God, this is what he's talking about concerning strongholds. He's not talking about demons. He's not talking about any of that. He's talking about our minds. He's talking about how we view our perception of things. It says, take every thought captive. So now he's revealing that it's, it's the thoughts, every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now look at this. God says that the fear of the Lord, evil, is to fear God. I'm rephrasing. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So to hate evil is to show your fear of God, your reverence of God, because he is holy. Right? So here it's saying being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. What are we talking about? We're talking about arguments? We're talking about opinions? We're talking about every thought. So that leads me to the next point. I was going over um, a very, very interesting uh, study that's done by a scientist. And this doctor, his PhD, is laying out so many things that I've, I've often wondered about. He, he basically comes from a scientific, um, non-Christian point of view, and he's basically pointing out what Scripture says, which is very interesting. I started sharing on this um, on a Facebook Live, but look, look at this. It's just, you can see that God can heal you by the way he designed you. You can heal yourself without drugs, is what this means. See, because what you find is that one-third of all people taking medication, which is according to a doctor, are healed by the placebo effect. One-third. That's 33%. So 33% are of the placebo effect. The fact that they believe that this medication is actually doing them some benefit. So if I came and I, and, I, and I brought a pill and I said, this pill will make you grow in your relationship with God. If you take this pill every day for, for the next three weeks, you're going to have an amazing relationship with God. And the people who believe that, they're going to say, yes, they take the pill, and then they're going to dive into the word, and they're going to begin walking out the word, and then it's like, the pill works. It's amazing. And all it was was just a pill full of sugar. It was a placebo. So why does it work? It's because they put the trust in the person and in the pill that this, Thing works. I was scared. 
because think about all the pills that are out there and they're selling. They know this. They know this information. Everybody talks about the placebo effect, but nobody wants to talk about the equal powerful side is the nocebo effect, the negative side. Did you know, and scientifically proven now, that you can cause diseases in your own life, in your own body, and you can die from them just because you believe that you have them. They can prove that now. They call it the nocebo effect. Was there anything wrong with your body? No. What do you think a lot of these drug commercials are? It was programming to make you paranoid that something's wrong with you. And as you begin to believe that something's wrong with you, you end up with something. They know this. The medical community completely knows this. So what you find is that thoughts, positive or negative, shape our biology. This is a direct quote from this doctor. Negative thinking and negative life experiences or on negative life experiences, we begin to build our own prisons. By what we believe. Because by what we believe, we speak out. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Why am I talking about this? Because I'm showing you where I'm going to get to in a second is that true spiritual warfare has nothing to do that Jesus has triumphed over publicly because they're already defeated. And it has everything to do with the devil trying to convince you in your own thoughts that you are powerless, that you are insecure, that you don't know God, that you're missing something. All these things, the devil's working full time through what you watch, people you hang around, by brands, by many things. They're constantly trying to bombard you and reinforce in your mind by influencing your thought life, by influencing your actions, by influencing all these things so that they can have a legal right to begin doing things on the earth. Think about witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Spirit just go and seduce someone? No, they have to be open for it. I can tell you, my family, I grew up around a lot of different witchcraft, a lot of witchcraft. I remember being in my early teens, uh, my, my late teens, early 20s, and I went to go stay with a family member. And there was a green hand that reached through the wall and was trying to grab me. I was in absolute fear. I was frozen. But I knew... One scripture that I can hang on to, and it's out of Romans 10, it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I was calling on the name of Jesus, and I couldn't say it. And then, and then eventually it came out. But you know what? That didn't happen without a person working with the devil for it to happen. 
So here's the thing. So you can say, well, look, this happened to you, so you can be attacked by spirit. Um, yes or no? Yes or no? And the reason I say that is because we go to another scripture that everybody quotes on a regular basis. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, 12, and 13. So what does it say? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Hmm. That's in English, right? That's, that's what we translated it. But if we look at a word-for-word from Greek, it says, put on the panoply, the panoply of God. So I didn't know what panoply means, and I think I probably wanted to put the whole armor. But it means complete protection of God. Now, when this happened to me, I can tell you, I was, I was young in the Lord. I didn't understand many things. I definitely didn't understand spiritual things. I didn't know who Christ was in me. And I was struggling to find identity and what God wanted to do at that time. But here it says, put on the complete protection of God for to be able to to able you to be able you reading direct word for word from the Greek to stand against the artifices of the devil, the attacks of the devil. Because is not to us the wrestling. Notice it doesn't say war. It says wrestling against blood and flesh. But against principalities, against authorities, against the rulers of the, the of the darkness and of the age, against the spiritual powers of wickedness. In heaven, in the heavens, which is interesting, right? So when I actually begin looking at it from uh, a more direct translation, uh, an actual word for word, it says that not is to us a wrestling toward blood and flesh, but poverty toward the authorities, toward the world might of the darkness. This toward the spiritual of wickedness among the celestials. So a lot of people say, "Well, see, see, that's that's how we war. So, you know, we we cast them down. We 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 do these. You know, we pray. We do these different things." But I have to ask you a question: If Jesus is our example, and He did all these things, show me one instance where Jesus said this. Show me one instance where he cast down a demon, where he was pulling them down, these strongholds that we think we know about. Where, where, was, where did he do it even once? The, the place where it mentions that he, he besought Satan fall to the earth was right after they came back from the cities, laying hands on the sick, casting out demons, 
cleansing the lepers, raising the dead. And they came back to testify to Jesus of what all they saw and beheld. This is when Jesus said it. Isn't that interesting? Because it's easy to hide behind, well, I'm just going to pray. Well, Jesus didn't just pray, did he? He took action. So there's some things, as I've been studying through Scripture, I begin to realize that we're so ingrained in Jesus that he wouldn't be moved from. He never contradicted what God said about him. If we started on that alone and, and just let the Holy Spirit teach us about that alone, we would be completely unshakable. Just like Jesus. Completely untouchable. Just like Jesus. Because we believe God's word, because that's what it ultimately would happen. Ooh, hey, doesn't that sound like Second Corinthians 10? Yes, it does. He never thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That is interesting. So, you can get to a place by putting on the full protection of God through knowledge of God to bring your thoughts into captivity to God by believing his word over the devils, over the worlds, over the systems in this age. You believe his word then that becomes your reality. Now, we're not going to get into quantum mechanics, but if you listen to what I say, this, this is explained by science now. So it's very interesting when we begin to look at this and begin to understand that the war, and it's the word is used, war, is between your flesh in the spirit. It's between carnality and the spirit. The spirit of God. We can go to Romans 8. We can go to Galatians 5. We can go to a number of places. And you can see clearly the true fight is between which of the things you're feeding. Are you feeding your flesh that leads to fleshly desires? Or are you feeding your spirit? By the word of God, which is spirit and life. And acting upon and doing. We hide behind intercessory prayer because it makes it sound spiritual. Now, am I saying you don't pray? No, Jesus prayed all the time. He communed with the Father all the time. If we, if we take... What's taught is intercessory prayer. We compare it to Jesus' life. It doesn't hold a candlestick to it. There's nothing compared to it. It begins to reveal all the flaws and all the, the vain, empty, ineffective philosophies of man that have made the church completely ineffective because they're sitting on their hands instead of outdoing. You really want to take down a principality or a stronghold that's over a city, then go 
operate against it. For instance, there's some cities that there's a lot of poverty in a certain area. But if you go in and you start teaching them about finances, now finances aren't bad, but you can't love it. And you begin bringing in truth from God's word. This was done. This was done by a man in Minnesota. And if I have the story right, he bought a, a whole shopping mall and then taught his congregation how to run businesses. And they picked their business and they, they opened it up in the mall. Now all of them are wealthy. Now isn't that interesting? So he destroyed the lack mentality by teaching them by the knowledge the experiential knowledge of God which comes by doing his word so when we begin to really dive into this and, and look at this um, there's a lot of scriptures I want to take you to I, just, I wish I had more time I wish we could just talk about it for the next several hours <laughs> because when you really begin looking at these things, it makes perfect sense to me. You know? So Galatians five, sixteen and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In Romans thirteen fourteen, it says, don't make room, don't make provision for the flesh. The carnality. So the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And then he begins listing out the flesh. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there's such things, there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. For if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is he saying? Look at the full context. You need to go back and read slowly, read every word, We go back to verse 13 of chapter 5. It says, You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. But the, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. 
But I say, walk by the Spirit. He will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And as we go through this, we can go to Romans 8. We can see constantly that it's the carnal nature, carnality, the flesh, that fights against your new nature, your spiritual nature. You are born anew. You can't be shaken. You can't be moved from this nature unless you feed it. Now, this is interesting. Something a lot of people don't actually want to dive into and question fully. How does an evil spirit take possession of someone? Plain and simply, they begin doing things that evil spirit likes. Spirit of God. He's a gentleman. You be full to overflowing with him. And I'm going to get back to the points earlier that I was making. If you find Spirit of God produces action. Spirit of God doesn't come into your life so you can have goosebumps. So you can have a good church service. No, 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 no. We go to the Old Testament, never found. It's always done for a particular purpose. So God releasing the Spirit of God, pouring out the Spirit of God into all flesh is for a purpose. Not for good feelings. Or anything else. Now, is that a side effect? Yes, it's a side effect. However, that's not prime focus. It's transformation. It's regeneration. Titus 3. Regeneration by the Spirit of God. Look into it. Look it up. So here's something else. We don't ever find Jesus there. We never find him searching for devils. We don't find him doing that. In fact, when the devil was in proximity, it came and bowed itself to him. Subjecting itself to him, they recognized in him the very spirit and nature of God. Reality. All in Christ Jesus. Did he struggle to cast any demon? No, he didn't. Did he have to repeat himself over and over? In anything. In the New Testament, in the Gospels. But what's commonly taught is intercessory prayer is begging and pleading God to do what he's already done. You're whole in Christ Jesus. You're missing nothing. You have perfect relationship with God. 
It's a very simple question. What is true intercessory prayer? True intercessory prayer is just simple relationship with God, walking out every day. Because when he tells you to do something, you do something. When he tells you to say something, you say something. He tells you to, to, well, I mean, it's basically covered. Look at this. Smith was Undoubtedly, unshakable as a man of God. The devil wakes him up. Well, wakes his wife. He wakes him, wakes him up. Goes downstairs. Sees the devil. Says, oh, it's just you. Goes back upstairs and goes to sleep. Hmm, interesting. Lesser Summerall in the Philippines. They arrest the witch. Story you can find very easy online. And she sends an evil spirit after him. He sits up in bed. Tells the evil spirit to go. What happens? The evil spirit leaves. He looks around the room. He sees that the evil spirit left his room in a total mess, trying to intimidate him. So what does he say? He says, evil spirit, come back in here, fix everything, and then leave. So what happened? The evil spirit had to obey. The one who has legal dominion and authority. So he came back in, fixed everything perfectly the way it was, and then left. That's not to mention many other men of God. It's not because they were something special. It's because they understood who Christ is in them. The word of God, alive and living. Their thoughts didn't doubt the word of God. Let's walk through this. Most people, they encounter a demon. Somebody starts manifesting a demon. Excuse me? They start manifesting a demon. They say, go, right now in Jesus' name. Doesn't seem to be doing anything. Then they step into insecurity. I told you to go right now in Jesus' name. You have to go. So what's the devil do? He realizes this person really doesn't understand the authority they have. So I'm just going to stay here and not move so they can walk themselves out of faith. They can walk themselves out of trust. Kenneth Hagin shares a, a senior, shares a, a remarkable story about this. said that they brought this lady who had um, epileptic seizures to him. He prayed for her, and she left. No change. No change at all. But he told them, call me when there's a change. And they called me a week, two weeks later. said, Pastor, there's been no change. What you told us is a lie. He said, no, I know what I'm doing. Call me if anything happens. The very next week, she falls on the floor. She looks like she's having an episode, but it's different. So they call him. All concerned. Pastor, this is what's going on. She's on the floor. She's foaming at the mouth. <clears throat> what do we do? He said, oh, it's done. The girl got up, completely delivered, never had seizures again. Hmm. 
Isn't that interesting? Commonality. The devils have no right on the earth. It could be easily cast out. So some people would say, well, there was the time. It took some time. Well, I don't know what all the facts and the figures were in that. I can only see my own experiences going into drug rehab centers, going into different areas, and just saying, go. Seeing the spirits leave them physically as they jerk. And he said, I felt something leave me because of the bondage and the oppression. See, the devil wants you to believe that he's big, that he's strong, that he's powerful. And if you focus on that, that becomes your reality because you begin to believe that. This is all part of the the mechanics of the devil convincing you that you are small, that your God is small and not all-powerful. Look at the paradigm. Everyone I've met who hyper-focuses on spirits builds them up. I'm not saying don't respect um, like fire, right? Fire can can burn you. It'll burn out a house. It can create destruction. I'm not denying the fact that it has some power. What I'm denying is it's right to exist and come near you or even touch you. Think about it. The enemy has zero right to touch you because you are Christ Jesus. Jesus said, the enemy comes, but he cannot touch me because he has no place in me. And as you grow up and you begin to understand who Christ is in you, then all this changes. You begin to realize the evil spirits, the lies of the enemy to try to influence you to be contrary and believe contrary to the word of God, fall to the ground, and you triumph over the enemy going from victory to victory on a regular basis. So I've had many ministries that hyper-focus on the devil. Oh, the devil did this, and the devil did that, the devil did this. No, he didn't. There's a pastor I met recently. And he shares his testimony about how the devil trains us to believe something and then walks away. Because we begin to defeat ourselves by what we begin to think and meditate on and believe. The devil, he was getting ready. So the devil whispered in his ear, I'm going to kill you today. And he rebuked the devil. He was like, no. In Jesus' name, I rebuked that lie and went about his day. And he lived the whole day, went home, went to sleep, got up the next day, going through his same routine. And he heard the voice again. Went on for months. Got to the point where he didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. And he's struggling, wrestling with God. See, why haven't you taken this from me? God responds to him very kindly. I took care of it the first moment you prayed. Yeah, 
But every time I see myself in the mirror as I'm getting ready, the devil tells me, he goes, that's not the devil. That's your own thoughts. The devil pressed on your thoughts. One time, it led to insecurity and backing off of trust. Created his own prison. When he realized that, he got up and thanked God for his freedom. And he shut off the thoughts that he had trained himself into thinking. The devil tells you you're no good, you're dirty, you're good for nothing. God can't ever use you. Because God will never use you. He works with you. It's different. When you use something, you throw it away. You can throw it away because there's no value. So when you look at what the devil fed you, it's a complete lie. Complete lie. But what does it do? It impacts your emotions. It impacts your thoughts. It leads to depression. It leads to depravity. It leads to our actions. It leads to many things because we begin to believe the lies and the things that the enemy has been speaking into our ears through other people, no less. But his whole goal is influence. Lester Summerall. He talks about this himself, even though he has a whole demonology teaching and all this other stuff. He talks about how demons possess people is through levels of influence. The devil can beat you in your mind. He will beat you up all day long. So you can cut it off. Stop it from ever happening. By being completely solidified in the very nature of God. Knowing who Christ is in you. Don't rely on somebody to tell you. Dive into the word and study it out for yourself. Spiritual warfare. True spiritual warfare. It's submitting and putting your flesh to death and feeding your spirit with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, with his word, with action on his word, reinforcing it over and over and over. You know Jesuit priests understand this? You know, the CIA understands this. And many others, organizations and governments and, and, and media and marketing, they understand these things. They understand that they can build by influence in people's minds by subtle things. So what happens? Think about it. First time somebody steps out to pray for someone, what happens? The devil comes and tells the first lie. If nothing happens, then you're going to look stupid. You're going to look dumb. 
Everybody's going to make fun of you. You're going to be the only Christian who prays and nothing happens. Right? Isn't this what the devil does? Isn't this way he pushes on you? He gets you to believe contrary to the word of God? What is he trying to do? He's trying to influence your actions. He's trying to influence you away from obedience. How do you punish disobedience? How do you truly punish disobedience? We're carnal. You yourself punish disobedience by being obedient to his word. You punish the devil because it's destroying his works. Look at it for what it is. No, we're running out of time, but I challenge you, go back. Even the list that I listed to you in Ephesians six twelve. What are those things? What are they all fighting for? They're all fighting for influence in your life. Where do you spend your time? Some people in front of the news, some people in front of games, some people in front of their bank accounts, some people in front of, you name it, wants to distract you from God. The devil wants you to Walk in disobedience to be a child of disobedience that you once were, is what scripture says. You understand what Paul's pointing out? It doesn't contradict anything else he said. It's not something new. Go back and look how Jesus taught, what he focused on. Doing the word, not just here. Being doers of the word. You're fellowshipping with God. Look at Jesus. What do you do on a regular basis? He's just fellowshipping with God. Jesus of like passion. He was tempted just like us, but he didn't go into temptation because of his relationship with God. He knew his purpose. He didn't contradict what God said about him. In fact, You'll find that every time they try to make him king, he went off to the mountain to pray and to be by himself. And sometimes I wonder if he did that to subject his flesh. I'm sure his flesh was like, yes, the recognition I deserve. Yes. Rule it. Stepping into who I truly am. Yes. And he used the time of prayer to subject the flesh back to the spirit by praying, by believing God, trusting God over everything else. Think about it. A lot of people want to go into the Old Testament to pull scriptures out, and we'll be doing that next next time we meet. We'll pull scriptures out of his context and say, look, this is what happened in the Old Testament. You're no longer the, under the Old Testament. You have a New Testament in Christ Jesus. 
They couldn't operate. They could they could see and they longed for our day. But they never got the taste of it. No greater prophet than John the Baptist. Because he had the greatest message. Jesus is here. Christ is here. Even the least in the kingdom is greater than him. Ephesians chapter 2, you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where's Christ Jesus? Above all principalities and powers and, and rulers and everything else. He's above it. And you're seated with him. How are you going to pull down strongholds if you're seated above it, above everything, at the right hand of God? Doesn't make sense. Does it? I've heard a lot of different arguments concerning this. You have to understand who Christ is in you. I can tell you as as God's been working this in me, and I'm still growing. I'm still growing. But you can ask many of our friends who've been with us out on the streets with my wife and I. And every time somebody who's fully demon-possessed sees us, they take off running. I was telling Jesus the other day, I can't wait till the demons come and, and do the same thing. Because they see Jesus. They see the full manifestation of his word. Maturity. Not me. Not my flesh. And they have to go. Spiritual warfare. War. All these words. We use sound super spiritual oh I was warring in the spirit yesterday oh yeah when did Jesus ever say that the only time we see Jesus repeating himself and I have to take back what I said earlier the only time we see Jesus repeating himself is the garden of Gethsemane There's any other way. Take this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So he went back and he prayed that three times. The only time he did it. From what we know. Isn't it interesting? I'm telling you, study this stuff out for yourself. Don't fall prey to the vanity and the vain philosophies of men. As you begin to go back and study, I, I challenge you, study this stuff. I'll, I'm going to make a worksheet this next week, and I'm going to post it up so you can have access to it, so you can see, you can work through it, you can study it, you can look up every scripture I've looked up 
over the past several weeks and see exactly what I'm saying. Or even other scriptures that you might think apply to this. You can bring those out. So it's interesting. Because I believe you'll come to the same conclusion I have. That real spiritual warfare is your spirit overcoming your flesh. It's the only time the word war is used. Don't quote me on that. Just thinking real quick. <laughs> the spirit and the carnal flesh are at war with one another. They're at war with one another. Before I close, I heard it from Billy Graham. Billy Graham says there was a man. He had two dogs. He lived up the mountains, and he'd go down into the town, and he'd bring the dogs every weekend. And every time he fought, this man knew exactly which dog was going to win. It was remarkable. It was amazing. And some prophetic insight or something. The town was completely amazed. One of the guys realized this man always picked the winner. And he, he asked him over and over. Dying and stopped fighting his dogs. He says, how, how did you always know which dog was going to win? He says, it's easy. Whichever dog I fed that week. You begin to realize in your life you're either feeding your spirit or you're feeding your flesh. We know they're at war against each other. Romans 8. Go back and study it carefully. It's very interesting. And I can tell you, I believe most people, even though they're teaching some wrong, some wrong things, maybe I'm wrong. But those who are teaching some wrong things, they're not doing it with any malicious intent. Say 99% of them aren't. I could, I could even be wrong in that. But you know what? You can be sincere when you teach. But you can also be sincerely wrong. I've been sincerely wrong many times, especially with my wife. And it's moving past that. It's growing up past that. Having our senses exercise. This is what's important. Are there spiritual things that happen? Yes, there's spiritual things that happen. In fact, there should be spiritual things happening around you all the time because you're born of the Spirit. You should be manifesting as a child of God all the time. You should be destroying the works of the devil all the time. 
See, that's who you are. Stop allowing the enemy to minimize and mitigate you to being ineffective. Believe God's word and do God's word. Amen? I do believe that's it. I think I want to run time. <laughs> Don't you have any you're doing, you're, you're doing fine. What is that, that saying? Uh, the greatest lie the devil ever told was convincing people he didn't exist? Is that yeah. Paul Harvey? Yes. <clears throat> Well, the, the the biggest lie he gets away with with Christians is that he has all this power and he's all that in a bag of chips. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, you have to understand, I, I was trained in um, Theophosphates, Sozo training. And I saw people days and days trying to cast the evil spirit out of one person. And I was like, something's got to be wrong here, Dorothy. And people are spending days trying to cast evil spirits out of one person. I know a lady in, in Central America, South America, this is what she's known for. Sometimes she'd go weeks fighting the demons. Not anymore. Now they go quickly. Started teaching her and training her and mentoring her. That was so quickly. They no longer have faith. She, she grew up into who she was in Christ. She told me multiple times, "If I would have known this back then, it would have taken seconds instead of hours and days." I was like, "I know. I know exactly how she feels." So. It's the same thing, too. Because we know a skilled fighter doesn't take the whole fight to win. Right? We look at boxing. A skilled fighter doesn't take the whole fight to win. He wins quickly. I always feel sorry for those people that, yeah, that's, I always feel sorry for those people that pay all that money to see that boxing match and it's over in seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I understand completely. But when we look at Christ, that's exactly what he did. Boom, gone. Boom, gone. Cast out evil space with one word. With the word. He didn't fight and struggle and and wrestle with them. No. Said it and it was done. I was thinking of Lazarus earlier. I was trying to get all my thoughts in order. <laughs> um, Lazarus, he heard that he was sick to his disciples what was going to happen. Then he shows up. He's outside the room. He goes to pray to God. He doesn't repeat what he prayed. 
He thanks God for the answer. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that a different twist on intercessory prayer? That I thank you for this opportunity to show these people that I hear from you. Right? He prays this prayer. Yeah. And he says, well, the stone away. What? He's decayed. He's going to stink. It's going to be nasty. It's okay. Roll the stone away. Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. Still bound. Hand and foot. How many times did he say it? How much time did it take? Right, exactly. But people are making their whole livings off of teaching. Dorothy, I know of a guy here in Texas. He's supposed to be one of the premier guys in deliverance ministries. And he has groupies. I call them groupies. They follow him to every meeting he does. And they beg him to cast the demons out of them. Because the guy claims that everybody has a demon except for him. Well, that's a not exactly. Mm-hmm. A little convenient, too, isn't it? Goodness. So you get all these people believing that they have all these demons... And they begin to agree with him, and then he can cast the demon out of him. You see? See? I didn't lie to you. When he's lying to him and deceiving these people. It's disgusting. And sick. But it's going on, all in the name of Christ. And I can tell you, this man is sincerely wrong. There's many more like him. It's amazing how much falsehood is out there and how gullible people are. I mean, I do believe before people come to Christ, they they pick up some dirt on their feet from the world and, you know, they end up with these little hooligans. Um, Yeah, but once you visitors. Yes, visitors, but (laughs) some welcome, some not. Once you connect with Jesus, and you just start repenting of everything and just get all this stuff out. It's done. You only have trouble with the demonic in what you agree with them on. So if they have gotten, like with this guy, if they have gotten your agreement that, yes, I'm full of demons, then guess what? You're not agreeing with God and what he said. You're agreeing with the demonic. So it's who you agree with and what agreements you make. Right. And you find that where does does agreement start? It starts with the thought. Yep, absolutely. And this is what Jesus points out with the sowing of the seed, the word of God, because it creates thoughts. And as you meditate on those thoughts, you nurture that thought. It takes root. It begins to grow. 
That's why you need to be aware of what you allow yourself to think on. If you allow yourself to think on negativity, it produces negativity in your life. If you think on his word, it's going to produce his word and his promises in your life. My cousin. I don't suggest anybody go do this, okay? Understand, this is in my history. (laughs) He would go play bingo every weekend. And I would go with him just just for fun, just something to do, get out of the house. Right? So he goes bingo, Mm -hmm. and he would look at me, Dorothy, and he goes, I'm going to win today. And I'm like, what? How do you know you're going to win today? He goes, because God's with me. And because he's with me, I'm going to win. Seriously. Well, guess what? He won. Every time he went to the bingo hall, he won. He won hmm. so much one, one day, Dorothy, that the security guard, he had to hire the security guard for the bingo hall to walk him towards the car because people were murmuring against him. He won over $2,000 because he won every game except for a couple. I'm a bingo player when I get the chance. I just like to play the game, but I can see where everybody would get upset if one person won all the games. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's interesting. Because he he believed it and he spoke it up. And he created his own reality. And so this is interesting because it also comes into play of who you allow yourself to hang around. Who you allow yourself to, to listen to. Right? Right. So, so you have to be so solidified in Christ Jesus that you can go hang out with sinners and it doesn't rub off on you because you can't touch the core of who you are. You're born of incorruptible seed. I'm telling you, all this, for me, it, it in my own head, it, all kinds of synapses are firing and <laughs> thoughts and pictures and everything <laughs> is flowing through my mind. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how can I? I've, I've never paid attention to this. I've never seen this before. It's like, it's like whatever you agree with. If you agree with the evil stuff, if you agree with, the negative stuff. It's Father told us it's the power of the tongue. You know. Yep. That's what I'm saying. It's it's all in Scripture. Yes. Before science realized, it, God is already saying it. It's all there. You get what you believe. Bottom line. And we need to be careful in what we allow ourselves to believe if it's not God's word. Absolutely. We need to um, keep that part of our system clean. You know, we need to to purge it from the word of God of, of all things that are not correct. And it's only correct if Father said it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. 
There's, and there's you know, so I think to dive into. Right? So. there is because there um a lot of that what is what you believe about yourself becomes true. If you mm-hmm. believe you're a bad person, or if you believe you're redeemed by the blood of the lamb, watch how what an effect it has on people's lives. Start paying attention to what people say they believe. If they do negative yep. self talk all the time. You know, think bad things are going to keep happening to them. But if they, you know, glom on to Father and I am a child of God and it is Christ in me and the power that raised Christ from the dead resides in me now, that's going to manifest differently than that other stuff. It just is. So, I mean, look at our politics. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you find that there, there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot to look at that is that is important that we pay attention. We we need to really guard our thoughts. We're in the information age. We're constantly bombarded with all kinds of information, and we have the devices right in our in our, in our hands, right. And we go through all kinds of information on a regular basis with our smartphones, with tablets, with other things. And so we need to decide our thoughts instead of allowing technology or anything else to dictate our thoughts to us. I agree. And and I think we need to train ourselves. Now, I look at a lot of news just because I'm that way. I'd like to be aware of what's going on around me. And if I hear a a news story that's bad, I'm going to pray against that, you know, very strongly. And if if I hear someone in need, you know, you pray for the person in need in the news story. And if I hear something good in the news, I'm going to tout that and pray into that as well. That's why, you know, it's, it's a matter of training and getting used to doing that. But um, it's yeah. worthwhile because I've, I've seen, because I know other people who do that as well. And you can see the difference between, okay, watch the doom and gloom people and then watch the people who pray against the doom and gloom stuff and notice the difference in their lives and then notice the difference in the outcomes because it will manifest in the natural, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we, we. I mean, it's plainly seen. I think in, in in healing, especially, a lot of people they get bad news from the doctor, as if God's the doctor, right? Or the doctor is God, and say, well, yes. look, I, I I've been I've given this negative report. Uh, okay, and I immediately think of Isaiah fifty three. Whose report will you believe? And I say, like the old song says, I choose to believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. Right? So I know when I was still people, going to the doctor, yeah, a lot of people just accept what the doctor says. And 
yeah. when I was going, I'd just say, okay, that's nice. You have a nice day. <laughs> and he used to get upset because <laughs> I didn't get all all upset about, you know, something he said was going on. I said, okay, fine. You know, whatever. I, I could right. not get him talked over to the Lord. And such a nice man. But, you know. Yeah, I can't even tell you how many people we prayed for in the thing left. I went to the doctor and he said, oh, uh, well, I guess it never was there in the first place. You're like, right. uh, the test showed that it was there. Right? And then you have the other people who had nothing at all. Nothing wrong with them. There was this person I met that they had nothing at all, but they had gotten into so much fear in believing that they had cancer, that they developed it after they found out they had nothing wrong at all. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. A placebo effect, right? <laughs> the the placebo um, effect, yeah. Yeah. So I know I've read stories about doctors who are telling people they have cancer that never had cancer so they could give them chemo. How sick is that? Yeah, because it's very lucrative. Yes. So, so don't believe everything sad, you hear from your doctor. Yeah. That's why I say, get a second, third, third opinion. Make sure the doctors don't know each other. You know. <laughs> do your due diligence. We do that with everything else. Car breaks, the car part breaks in the car. We don't just call one place and just take their word for it. We we say, okay, let's. Let's check a couple other places and see what they say. Right? Because they say, well, mechanics, they're not very honest. They just want to make more money. They're going to charge me more for the part or for their services. Right? But we don't do that with doctors. Right. We think, oh, immediately what they say, well, that's it. That's, that's It's over. The death sentence. Do you know the? I'm sorry, I don't mean to get into it, but <laughs> the number one killer in the United States. You know what it is? Pharmaceuticals. Yep. Swept under the rug. And that's that's with people taking them as prescribed. So, yep. For what does that tell you? Giving them as But the doctors are lied to in medical school, so. Yeah, you get what you believe. That's all for today. (laughs) <laughs> I can keep going on You think and on we covered it? I know, right? Uh, enough for now Until next time at least Okay, you want to close us out with prayer? Yeah, absolutely Give me a second
So right now, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for everyone here. In the, the sound of my voice, they be healed, they be whole, they be free. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Free. That's the a big word. We should do a, a teaching on that. The freedom in Christ Jesus. I mean, yeah. So it's really, really good to, to dive into and, and look at. Yes, sir. Sure is. Well, well thank you for your time. I know it's getting late. <laughs> oh, it's only 8.30 here. That's not uh, bad. Okay, yeah, it's 7.30 here where I'm at, but uh, I haven't eaten yet, so I'm ready to... Uh-oh, you're supposed to eat before much. the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask my husband He'll tell you Where's my dinner <laughs> <laughs> Well it's still early here So Yeah I was going to Grab something to eat Well bless you Thank you uh, For your time And We look forward to To next week We're going to Go back And, and look over um, The Old Testament And also Romans 8 Okay. So thanks for listening, everyone. You have a blessed time till next we meet. Of course, I'll be on with Jameer tomorrow night, so I get to see you tomorrow night or talk to you tomorrow night. But you have a blessed night, everybody. That includes you, Anthony. Oh, thank you. Well, good bless you. you have a blessed night, too. Good night, everybody. Good night.